Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Mike Wade. Mike, we're freshly back from LDI and we've got a lot to talk about after uh, the big show in Vegas. Um, yeah. But before we dive in to that, we have a, well, we have a couple of niggling things from previous episodes, one of which we'll actually address today, which is, uh, <laughs> we keep pushing some other topics off. Um, talk about that later. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> talk about that one after the election. <laughs> That's right. Let's see if we're all still in this country or not. Um, spike mark 3.6.2, um, is now no longer really a new release, but it still has some new features to, that we should let people know about uh, for folks that don't yeah. uh, don't read the release notes, which is probably most everybody. I don't read many release notes myself, so. No, no, I don't. I ignore them. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> Get that out of here. Um, so the big thing in Spike Mark 3.6.2, uh, it's a a minor release as you as you can tell by the point two um is that we added this thing called stagehand messenger and stagehand messenger shows up on screen as just another stagehand uh and the stagehand um doesn't actually control a motor or talk over the network to a one of our machines instead uh, the messenger, you can program it uh, to be uh, to run in a queue, and when it runs, it will just send a network message out uh, to, to whatever else. Um, so the messenger, you can basically point it at an IP address, and when whenever the queue runs, uh, the queue will just spew out some ASCII text, whatever you text in the messenger box, and each queue can have uh, a different message that you want to send out um and you can have as many of these as you want um right so you could add multiple messengers to have yeah send out multiple multiple messages in each queue absolutely absolutely and say hello my name is bob that's right that's right <laughs> and what is your name um <laughs> and the point of this is to be able to integrate with other systems that might be hanging on the network that want to get some notification of when a queue starts or, or you could have it, you know, you could do a whole sequence of time delays and so on. So you could, you know, fire off a message two seconds after a, a queue starts, or you could fire a message when a motor gets to a certain position to wake another system up on the network. Um, and it operates, uh, the message is sent over UDP. Um, and it's, uh, so it's just a little packet that gets, pushed off and there's no protocol to it because it's uh, it's super flexible for anything that might be out there um, that needs the message where did it, I guess we use this mostly well not mostly primarily it was developed for the uh, for that kinetic sculpture for the kinetic sculpture right right because yeah. that had some that had some crazy queuing and talking to talking to uh, what was it the Xbox motion the microsoft motion oh, the tracker connect, yeah connect the connect sensors yeah and uh and then the videos the all of the crazy video servers that are plugging into it and yeah the av effects people had some some very different software than we're used to seeing in the theater um and so <laughs> we didn't have there was no existing protocol that was going to work out very well 
But <laughs> if we could just send messages as text back and forth, they could pick it up on a UDP socket and uh, and basically. <laughs> Yeah. Do I remember it right that it was like Tyler was like, hey, you know, it would be really cool if uh, if we could just send some text because those guys could just write some code. And so it was like so then, you know, two people are writing code for sending and receiving stuff from this, you know, crazy software on both sides. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, yeah we just, you know, we just did that. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's Wait, right. What? That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it actually it's a great great concept because uh, it is very flexible. Obviously, you know it's not uh, other systems that are built to talk in you know, OSC or ACN or something. Um, this isn't really a solution for that sort of integration, but for those random bizarre um, systems out there, um, or where you just need to send a trigger to uh, a one-off trigger. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, it can be pretty handy. So, so anyway. It's in there. Check it out. Yeah. Love it. Live it. Um, and then as kooky as it sounds, the other thing that I don't know, this will come up for all that many people, but I, I would be tempted if I were out there actually doing things with my life in the real world um, <laughs> is, uh, you know, it'd be very easy to like hang an Arduino on the network and listen for a message to come in to go trigger some other little, um, you know, little effect on stage that has to be timed with the automation system you know so if you had like a little fire effect or some little you know small motor thing that's uh you know spinning a prop or whatever um that would be a really easy way without you having to get bogged down in developing support for osc or acn or something if you could just say like hey you know what uh send me a message that says you know start rotator and when I hear start rotator on the network, I will start. And then when I hear stop rotator, I will stop. Uh, yeah, it's a cool way to integrate some, you know, fancy like little prop business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Cool. So anyway, there's that. And then I think the big news is uh, LDI. <laughs> LDI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was quite a show, right? <laughs> I don't think I've stood on my feet that long in, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like even USITT last year, I was not standing. I was essentially, I mean, I think all three of us, Pete, you, me, we all like, we just stood from the doors open to the doors closed. I mean, yeah, it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah, it was great to see so many people there. It was so busy. And yeah, it's one of those times where you, you kind of say good morning to, you know, the three of us in the booth at 10 a.m. And then the next thing you know, it's five o'clock. Like, wow, that was seven hours of yeah. just talking to people. It's like, man, I didn't did... even pee today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's amazing to be in a 20 by 20 square and not see your fellow co-workers all day, right? <laughs> like, oh, excuse me. Oh, oh, oh pardon me. <laughs> Can I tell you about our? Oh no, you know about the floor yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Um, but there were some there were some cool people who came by the booth too. We had some uh, not just you know lighting people either, right? With some you, you talked to uh, you talked to several people from who Clancy and Sokoa and uh, yeah ETC came by and yep. uh, you know and and the and the nice folks from Tate came by a couple times to. That's right. Spike Mark. 
Yeah, actually, we that was one of the more fun conversations. I mean, they were all fun conversations, but the uh, the folks from Tate were actually a hoot to hang out with because, uh, you know, that's the nice thing about LDI and USITT is that, you know, as long as everyone can kind of play nice together on the show floor, um, it's the only time that you get to really commiserate with people who are doing the same thing the same thing you know i mean obviously we're all playing at different levels and you know tate does uh, much bigger scale work than we do um but we're both automation companies at heart right and even though we play at different ends of the spectrum we face a lot of the same challenges and we've made some different engineering choices along the way um but everyone can respect what everyone else is doing and also just get a, a kick out of, you know, like, Hey, this is what we, we've been working on. This is how we do it. This is the backbone of our thing. And like, this is why it stinks. This is why it's good. And, uh, and have those honest conversations with somebody who, you know, you're not going to sell anything with, but totally understands your pain. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty fun. Yeah. 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 I had some interesting, I had an interesting conversation with, uh, with Mr. Wahlberg. Oh sure, there was a because <laughs> yeah, of course yeah. Rosebrand had the big display of all the Wahlberg stuff out on That's, huge, yes huge rollout yeah 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 and uh, and Mr Wahlberg himself was there I wonder if my orange shirt gave me away when I was going to look at the gear <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah he came he came by our booth too and like you know took a look around where you know the Wahlberg machines are are pretty cool for what they are but. Uh, and in, you know, in comparison side by side to our equipment, it's even our smallest thing is still it's ginormous comparatively, still ginormous right? In comparison. Yeah. Um, yeah, their, their machines are like purposely much, much smaller and yeah. for smaller loads, et cetera, and kind of yeah. fill a different niche. I mean, it's all, all DMX controlled machinery, which is, which is a choice. I mean, it's a, it, it's, it's, def- it, it has some challenges, I think in it. it especially in this day and age of emerging safety standards and so on. But, um, you know, for the right kind of non uh, low risk effect, I guess you'd say, right. It could be a handy way to, to get some automation done for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, our spotline, I think the entire Wahlberg line can fit inside the cube that our spotline takes. Right. Up. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. like, Yeah. And you'd need a lot of Wahlberg winches to be able to just lift our winch, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> and that's pretty, you know, to be to be honest, that's a fun thing about the Wahlberg stuff that I admire is that it's it's all very light and portable, you know, very easy to hang. Really uh, impressive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like, but <laughs> anyway, it was kind of cool to see all those people and, you know, actually have the chance to meet some of those folks and, you know, talk to talk to the I mean, you talked to the to the guys from uh, NISCON for a little bit, right? And um, yeah, and... absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Joe Jeremy. Um, it, actually, after the show, we we kept. Uh, you know, apparently he said that he had tried to get away from his booth, and I had tried to get get away from our booth, and it's just the timing never worked out. But uh, actually, during the teardown, I'd gone back to the hotel to like change into my scrubby clothes, and as I was walking back to the convention hall, he was walking out, and we we stopped and had a had at least a brief conversation which was which was great because he's a he's a great dude obviously and um the rainax software is is certainly a is a very popular system these days and they do a lot of great work and uh 
and it's always fun again kind of in the same vein as the tate guys just to be able to commiserate and it, honestly there's even more on our on our side to commiserate with because we use even the same family of microcontrollers and we've made a lot of the same kind of architectural decisions and um you know have some of the similar pain points and all that stuff um so it's kind of almost like uh two you know mirror images of one another in some yeah. respects at least uh and uh yeah that was interesting and actually the interesting bit about that is he was telling me a, a, a bit about uh some of the committee work they're doing these days um, that he's sitting in on for uh, trying to come up with a unifying standard uh, to talk between automation consoles. And that's a, it's definitely a lofty goal. And uh, I, I'm sure eventually something's going to, you know, that there, w there will be something com that comes of that. Um, but it reminds me of that XKCD cartoon where, you know, it's like, I can't remember exactly, but it's like, you know, we have 13 competing standards. This is insanity. You know, what we need is one unifying standard. And so the next frame is like, and now we have our 14th standard. That will be the, you know, <laughs> the one standard to rule them all. You're like, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. That, uh, you know, I'm not sure that we'll ever quite get to that point of having the equivalent of a DMX in the, in automation land, but we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. Only time will tell. <clears throat> time, time will definitely tell. So, but we had some, uh, we had some pretty cool things to roll out this year. Yeah. We had a bunch of new products on display, and it was really fun. We'd been working on this stuff for months, months and months and months and months, and trying to keep a lid on it and not talk about it, not show pictures of it. You know, <laughs> little glimpses of things sometimes peeked out on Instagram. Um, random bits of hardware and stuff, but uh, we're really trying to keep the wraps on it so we can have a, a bigger splash at LDI with all this new stuff. And uh, and that really, I think, paid off. So maybe we go in order of uh, kind of least to most impressive here or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think there's, you know, maybe smallest to largest. How about that? Smallest to largest. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So why don't well, you... So the biggest, though, our our new we have a new stagehand, the stagehand apprentice, yeah, um, which uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, it replaces the stagehand classic, the stagehand AC that everybody knows and loves, um, and uh, <clears throat> we have um, uh, it's a smaller form factor. It is, which is quite a bit smaller. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a third the size of the stagehand classic ish. Yeah. Volume wise, yeah. It's um so that's pretty exciting. And uh and it comes in two versions. It comes in a the five horsepower, two way three phase machine. Um and then it's uh also comes in a hundred and twenty volt one horsepower version. So yeah. you can plug that thing into the wall, which is pretty awesome. So it comes in a 110 version uh, that's 110 input, but then 233 phase output through the magic of inverter technology. Yeah. Which is sweet. And yeah. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great for obviously like way down, you know, into high schools and things like that where you don't have power distro. Um but even like if you've got a black box theater, you know, or you just or you just want to be able to honestly like curtain calls and smaller and horsepower, trick lines, trick lines. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, it's just it's just less hassle to be able to plug it into a 110 volt outlet. Um, yeah. It's pretty sweet. The number shows that 
the number of times that I've done little black box shows in New York City where, you know, we actually like there just is not three phase power. Right. You know, um, it is so cool. Yeah. So cool to happen. Yeah. Uh, and for my world, I think of, you know, like all the uh, like ballroom stuff, you know, ballroom shows that you do where you got a little turntable or you got a little roll down screen or something. You know, not a ton of automation, but a couple, two, three axes of uh, automation that are not big horsepower. And then again, in ballrooms, it's just always a pain to find the power. Um, and if you can run it off of 110, so much easier, right? Yeah, so much the better. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's going to be sweet. And then the other thing I think that's really cool about The Apprentice is that brings down a lot of the features that we developed for the Stagehand Pro um, are packed into The Apprentice, uh, which is nice. And so these aren't actually shipping yet. We're still (laughs) polishing up the firmware and stuff, but the um, some of the updates that are coming for both the Pro and The Apprentice are the 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 fancy new RS45 link inside the box between the card and the drive. And that's all a bunch of gobbledygook to say that you'll be able to see in SpikeMark detailed drive information. You'll be able to see the um, current draw of the motor and that you can see that graphed over. The graph, position. right, yeah. Yeah, and you saw that, right, when you were up. Did you see that, Mike, when you were up at the shop? Yes. And that's, yeah. a, that's a really, I mean, that interface needs to be cleaned up a bit because it's a little still a little Fisher-Pricey looking, but the once we get the the final polish on the UI, the the data even that you see right now is pretty awesome. Like to be able to see like, hey, two feet in on that track, our current jumped up. So let's go look let's go two see. feet in. Let's go <laughs> see if there's a screw jam <clears throat> there or something. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to be able to see uh, the VFD errors, right? Yes. yes. And in SpikeMark. Yes. And be able to reset the VFD. <laughs> yes. Which, spike mark. Yeah, which is which is yeah. great because previously <laughs> you'd always have to throw the e stop to reset the VFD, and yeah. now you don't have to do that, which is which is awesome. And then the other thing that we've been uh, playing around with, and hopefully we'll be shipping in the first version. If not, it'll be coming shortly thereafter. Is also you can there's a little auto tune uh, wizard also, so that like for your drive auto tuning, if you're so- Right, it is cool, right? So you can one button press in Spike Mark, and the drive will auto tune. This isn't the PID tuning for the control card, but you know when you have to uh, tune the drive, we run the auto tuning procedure on Mitsubishi's stuff. Um, this will give you uh, give you that, so you don't have to like you don't have to walk over to the drive, do all the mumbo jumbo on the faceplate. Uh, you can just hit one button in Spike Mark and have it done. Click. <clears throat> and then it's, all all of your random parameters can be set through Spike Mark too, which is yeah, great. which is huge, which is so great to be able to do, um, and to be able to do there as opposed to having to go to the face and do the little spinny wheel and the set and the, I don't know, what parameter is that? Right. Oh no, not one twenty eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> set three ninety seven, then four, then two ninety six, then three, then f- yeah, exactly. Uh, much cooler so yeah much off yeah it's pretty sweet uh and i think it's gonna be great and that the fact that there are you know the that the serial link in there is is able to do all that stuff uh it's very it's nice. cool yeah it's nice. yeah and once that once that firmware although we're not although the staging classics can't don't have the don't have the serial link in there we are going to get some of that information though 
out of the classics. We're going to see some of the right. Are we going to see some of it? Or we gonna... see so in the classics, unfortunately, you will see none of the those drive mm. level features, sadly, um, because the uh, because we just don't have we the don't hardware have this... yeah. in there to be able to talk to the drive like that. Um, so that really is an apprentice feature and a pro feature only. Um, nice. Good news on that front is the apprentice is actually cheaper than the classic. So if you're either thinking yeah. about buying some more stuff or you're thinking about making your first purchase, the uh, the apprentice will actually be more affordable than the classic was and have all these fancy new features. The yeah. one new feature that is coming to both to all stagehands um, in the next release is the persistent position. Um which is a big deal. Uh, which, which is a huge deal. <laughs> right. And so that is um, to unveil, uh, unveil that a little bit. The, uh, you know, one of the problems of using incremental encoders, of course, is if you kick the power cord out, you lose position, right? And we've done battery backups in the past to try and mitigate that, but our, the batteries don't last all that long. And um, if you threw the breaker for, you know, more than an hour, let alone like weeks on end, you would still right. reset the position counter. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or overnight, you know. Right. Like, <laughs> right. And so what the persistent position does is in firmware for the stagehands, it will, um, it basically watches for the motor to settle. So like after it's moved and it stopped moving, um, a few seconds after it stopped moving, it says, okay, this thing isn't moving again right away. Uh, it will write down the current position of the motor into flash memory. And then that will get stored with the stagehand. And so if the stagehand gets unplugged or whatever, next time it boots up, it reads that flash memory and finds out what its position offset should be. And then uh, uses that for all of its uh, computation about targeting and um, position reports and stuff. And that's a big deal. Uh, it's, you know, the there is still a potential there because of the way that works that you could be, if you kick the plug out mid move, like while the thing is still moving that you're going to actually lose, you're still going to move. You're, you will lose position at that point. And that'll be wrong. Um, our theory being that this is the, this choice of how to implement this feature gets it to into everybody's hands. And it, um, so it covers the widest audience. And if you happen to actually lose power in the middle of the move, um, that's such a randomly odd occurrence that the fact that you'll have to go and manually reset your position or, I mean, or if you know where that thing happened to be, which is unlikely if it power was lost, <laughs> um, but if, then you'll have to, you'll have to input the, um, you'll have to input the position, kind of give the, give the thing its brain back. But yeah. It's a big change. It's going to be a big change for uh, for people who've been using the gear since you know 2004. <laughs> yes, yes, and it luckily it just kind of eliminates this whole worry of you know are my batteries in? Has the power been lost? Whatever that the position should now be accurate. And then the other thing that it corrects is we had this kind of goofy system in Spike Mark where uh, you know if if any long time. Long-time users of the system will remember Avista, the first software that we produced, did not even have an arbitrary set position. So you you could quote the the feature was called Define Home, and so you would hit Define Home and it would zero the counter, and that was your only option is you could just set zero. And understandably, people wanted more more better options than that. They wanted to be able to say, Hey, when I run to this mark, that's two feet from zero. 
And I want to be able to say, tell the system that. Well, internally to the motion controller that we use, there is no feature for that. There, it, it only understands, like, reset the counter to zero. So what we used to do was we would store... When you, in spike mark, we added the ability to set an arbitrary position and you reset to an arbitrary position. And what would happen internally is we would send a define home command to the motion controller to zero the counter. And then in the show file in spike mark, we would store an offset. So if you said two feet is the, you know, I'm sitting at two feet, it would zero the counter and then store two feet as an offset. And then any targeting information that was sent down to the, the motion controller we would subtract two feet from that number. And any position reads that came back from the controller, we would add two feet to it. Um, and so it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors to make that work. And that all sounds great, right up until, like, <laughs> say you open today's show file, right, and, the, <laughs> and you reset the two feet, and then you close down and you open up yesterday's show file, which had a different offset stored in it, and then your position goes seemingly wackadoodle. Oh haywire <laughs> right you're like that doesn't make any sense um <laughs> everything is broken everything is broken and you could sit there with one a motor that says it's at zero inches in one show file not move anything open a different show file and say it's at two feet persistent position instead of storing that offset in the spike mark file it stores it at the stage hand level so yeah. you can open up any show file and it'll have the correct position yeah it's, I mean, it'll be, it, it will definitely be kind of interesting when, you know, somebody has a stagehand on the shelf for like four and a half months and pulls it out, plugs it back in. Oh, <laughs> uh, why is this at 42 feet? <clears throat> right. Yes, that will be the downside of it. Um, uh, just do it. Just reset. Just reset at that point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, but I think it's going to be huge. I mean, that's a, that's such a, that's such a great, uh, such a great feature to yeah. add and that it's adding, you know, it's adding to all of the stagehands, which is, uh, which is really, which is really amazing. Yeah. 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 It's so, amazing that we did it. Yeah. Which I think will be great. Cause that means that you could have a 2004, you know, serial number zero, zero, zero one. We'll get this new feature. Um, yeah. Well, only, only if they upgrade. <laughs> only if they upgrade. Yes. Right. Yes. You do have to download the free upgrade. <laughs> But. What version of Spike Mark are you using? 2.8. Wow. Ah! Oh, God. <laughs> Please. I don't even think that's Spike Mark. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then, Mike, we also had. Uh, so that was The Apprentice. And then we also were showing off some chain motor stuff. What was that about? Uh, we were showing some chain motors. So we have some. We have a smart chain hoist. Sweet. Uh, yeah, it is pretty cool. It's a. Uh, it's a. Currently, it's a half ton. Uh, we have. We have a half ton chain master. Um, that um, <clears throat> that we I think we talked about this several months ago. We put yeah. two of these into a church uh, in Ohio that was uh, that worked really well for what we were trying to do. Um, but uh, but we have that out and in the world and available. Um, it is uh, uh, it is you know reasonably stately at eight inches a second. Um, right. Not but a speed it, demon, but and it's not a speed demon, but it can it can lift a thousand pounds at eight inches a second, right? And it doesn't care. Right. Uh, and it is a soft start and soft stop, uh, all very programmable, speed, yeah, all programmable through Spike Mark. Um, it's pretty awesome. And uh, and and for any of you, any of us who are you know looking at Instagram, uh, there is also a prototype of somebody else's chain hoist right. currently sitting in our shop. 
Right. And we are going to wire that bad <clears throat> CM motor up and uh, and make that roll. And it's going to yeah. be a little less stately. Right. Um, that should be nice and brisk. Nice and brisk. <clears throat> uh, I think we're I think it's somewhere in like the 18 inches a second, 20 inches a second uh, move, yeah. uh, which is um, that's moving for a chain hoist. Which is moving for a chain hoist. Yeah. Um, you know, both uh, both chain hoists. Uh, you know, the idea is here that we are, are we're not making <clears throat> we're not making a move for one uh, one version, one brand, one type of hoist. You know, the um, spike mark. <clears throat> we want to make spike mark available to whoever, right? Um, and however, and uh, and you can't uh, you cannot unfortunately just you know buy a chain hoist and plug it into spike into a stagehand. You have to buy the chain hoist from us because we actually have to do some things to it. Right. Um, but both of them, both of them have pretty similar features on the inside. Both are running dual encoders. Uh, both are running dual brakes. Um, so it's pretty good. Although the CM, actually the, cha- the CM is running dual encoders, but the chain master has only got the one encoder. Oh, right. Oh yeah. Uh, right. It's got a chain side encoder, but no motor side encoder, which is actually, right. uh, which, you know, works out fine in the end, but um, is, uh, I'm very curious to see the the CM hoist because I I think we'll get a little bit better performance even than the Chainmaster version with that motor side encoder. And we are working on Chainmaster to try and figure out if we can get uh, the second encoder in there, but we haven't been able to we haven't been able to identify what <laughs> how that's how <laughs> that, that's actually going to work. Right, right, right. It hasn't it's CM uh you know, both great companies, but CM's been aggressive about. It's about helping get us exactly what we need uh, to yeah. make it work on the system, which has been great. So yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah. So and a lot I, of people love CM. I mean, Chainmaster is a great product as well. Um, yeah. but you know, CM has a, an awful big following. Um, especially here in that, the states. That is an that is an awful big motor housing too. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is not petite. <laughs> yes. The, the first thing you may notice if you look at the Chainmaster next to the CM is that the it is a much bigger package, which makes sense, of course, because it's going, you know, two and a half times the speed. So it has to have a lot more motor in there. Um, but you're not going to pick that up by yourself. <laughs> At least no. not well. <laughs> Probably need a steel beaner to do that. <laughs> Definitely need a steel beaner for that. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, the the chain hoist, uh, the chain hoist thing is pretty sweet. Uh, it's pretty awesome that we've got we've got one. You know, we've got the chain master in the stable already and yep. working um, and uh, and hopefully soon, you know, uh, hopefully soon we're going to also have the ability to have CM yeah. products in there, um, at least this one product. Um, yep. And uh, and that's, I think, going to be really pretty amazing because um, the number of times that we've, you know, people have asked us about chain hoist about if they can if we can control them how can we do you know how can they control chain hoist right like <laughs> like well uh, well you can't right. uh until now until now <laughs> yeah do you have some light ladders why don't you put them on ours <laughs> that's right <clears throat> absolutely i think it, yeah light ladders is a great you know a great use of them right where it's yeah. you know something that you're going to want to tie into the automation system anyway so that you can like clear the light ladders before the house rolls out on stage um but it doesn't need the speed of a uh, of a spotline hoist uh, with it, but might have a higher, much higher load requirements than that than the uh, spotline hoist. And the chain motors are just smaller. I mean, as big as the CM hoist is, it is still diminutive. Still smaller <laughs> <laughs> compared to our spotline hoist. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah. And I think, you know, straight, more straightforward to rig. There's no, you know, yeah. no concern necessarily. Well, there's some concern, but no, con- not big concern about fleet angles and what's yeah. happening or where your, where your loft blocks are going versus where the hoist is. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and everybody knows how to clip a shackle onto a chain motor hook. Right. <clears throat> yep. So, uh, so stuff. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's <clears throat> going to be, cool. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and then, and then, you know, our next thing is, uh, is your, is your like blood, sweat and tears into, into the updating the revolver. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, which yeah. is really cool. The new, the updated revolver design is very slick. Yeah. Um, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I, I think it's great. We, you know, we, um, we'd been eyeing the revolver for some time to try to make it lighter for one thing, make it out of aluminum and then check. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, also kind of streamline our process for manufacturing so we can turn them out quicker. Check. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then lastly, well, no, I guess two other things, one, like kind of shrink the footprint because the folks who know the revolver know that it, the original one was kind of all in a line, um, radiating out from the center of the turntable. So you had the drive wheel and then the, the motor housing all went in a um, sticking out. And so you had to have a fairly large um, surround chunk around your turntable to hide the revolver. So we wanted to shrink that footprint and kind of turn the motor more tangent to the turntable as opposed to radial to the turntable. And, um, and then also shrink the height because, man, people... You, you just can't make them small enough, right? Like everyone wants it even smaller, even smaller, even smaller. Cause we were sub nine inches b- before, uh, which I thought was pretty good. Um, and people were like, yeah, that's great. If you've got, you know, nothing but room on your stage and you're like, Oh boy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, calm down. <laughs> um, so we, we sucked out, I think every fraction of an inch here and got the overall height of the machine down to eight and a quarter, or actually just, just under eight and a quarter inches, uh, tall and eight <laughs> and a quarter to the flange of the motor bolt, right? Like the, yeah. the pick point on the motor. Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, uh, it is tight. And, um, uh, you, if, we hollowed out all the frame and stuff. So the motor, the motor itself is sitting, I don't know, maybe three sixteenths of an inch, if that off of the floor. I mean, it is it's, like sweep well before you install yeah. this thing, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> you don't want to let anything yeah. get caught under there. Um, it is all you, super tight. And we made some changes to the, uh, you made, uh, some changes to the way that the chain tensions. So there's no idler in there yeah. anymore. Yeah. 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 Cause the chain, uh, the idler, the idler sprocket on that machine always kind of sucked. It was, um, <laughs> it's like, you know, like everything that you design, right. You come back and you're like, well, that, that was so close to being a good idea, but that, and the chain tensioner was one of those things that I regretted for, for a while. Um, the, we had a, you got your wheel sprocket and your motor sprocket. And then we had a tensioner that would come into the side of the chain to take up chain tension. And it was on a piece of, you know, half inch threaded rod. And you jack it in there, um, and it was a nylon sprocket, uh, so it just spun on its mounting shaft. Um, and the reason is sometimes people ask us, like, why do you make these plastic instead of nice metal ones with bearings? And we actually started with nice metal ones with bearings. But you find that if any chain misalignment um, that nobody bothers to correct over time, uh, that it'll actually pop those 
sprockets off their press fit bearings and boy is that a mess if that happens so the nylon ones uh there's no second part to come apart um and that's why we used those but you could get into a gross situation where if you over tightened that tensioner you would actually bend the tensioner rod um and and it was just kind of it was not great all the way around because you it was this fine line between just tight enough on the chain but don't over tighten it you know it's tight enough that you don't have a lot of backlash in the wheel but not so tight that you bend the tensioner and ruin it um yeah so it was not great so now we got rid of that tensioner all the way um just it's gone and the we put the wheel mount on a sliding system so that it can be um, the two main sprockets, you can just adjust the distance between those two main sprockets yeah. with jack bolts. And, jack bolts yeah. yeah. And it's much, much more direct, straightforward. It's like my favorite version of the Soviet design. You know, it's like a, <laughs> just like fewer parts, cleaner, yeah. less, uh, less likely to, to be fragile and come apart. Um, and yeah. the encoder and the encoder mount, the encoder itself is sweet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's all off the shelf now. And all off the shelf. So not something that we build in-house. So we, um, when we first made the uh, uh, revolver back in 2005-ish, 6, something like that. 2006, I guess. Uh, there was, or at least not to my knowledge, there wasn't a pre-done dancer wheel encoder friction wheel encoder. Uh, but since that time, uh, encoder products company has come out with their TR three encoder, which is a leaf spring mounted rubber wheel encoder. Um, and it's a great little device. And, you know, one of our, uh, one of our little company philosophies that we don't talk as much about these days, but it was certainly there from the beginning is that, you know, we take great pride in designing things that don't exist, but when some commodity thing does exist, that's pretty good. then we just let, would prefer to use that uh, because it's uh, there's no point in kind of literal, well, in this case, literally reinventing the wheel on the, on a wheeled encoder. Um, <laughs> encoder products makes a really nice product. And, uh, and then it's easier for us, obviously we don't have to make them. And then it's easier for the end user too, that, you know, it's a, it's a, off-the-shelf product that you can buy and have spares of and and uh easy to get um so so i think that's all those are all good things about it um and then in the height of it is much easier to adjust because the whole thing sits on a 5 8 inch shaft and it just clamps onto that shaft and so we have a i don't know it's like six inches eight inches um tall shaft and you can just move that up and down can you hear my cat crying in the background uh, i totally yeah. can I think I saw the tail go by earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're either going to listen to the mill going or the cat meowing, I guess. Is right. One. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> so, and then lastly, it's all aluminum framed, as I mentioned, but it's all bolt together now, too. Yeah, it is fantastic. I mean, you know, it's almost movable with two people. <laughs> right no it's i mean it's like 235 pounds or something right. uh yeah. out of the you know out of the crate so you know with a little struggle two people can move it right. three people is certainly much better three people you can definitely move it around <laughs> yeah yeah two, two you on can the definitely like end. drag it around <laughs> with two people oh and it has lifting points now too which is nice lifting points yeah, yeah. cut into the frame perfect for the steel beaners perfect for the steel beaners exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> Nothing but steel beaners. 
Find out if Brian listens to this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> our operations manager, Brian, does not have any love for our steel car- carabiners. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it's got those lifting points. It's made out of aluminum. It's lighter. Uh, yeah, and, 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 continuing the theme from The Apprentice, it is cheaper now. Um, yeah. so we shaved 1500 bucks off the price cause we were able to do all these things that kind of streamline our process and make it faster and easier for us to sell them. Uh, so we're passing that savings along to, to everybody else. So. Right. And, and it's available in multiple wiring configurations. So if you currently have, uh, a handful of classics that, you know, you're not going to replace or you don't want to replace because they're still totally totally usable uh we can sell you one that's wired up as a classic uh we can sell you one that's wired up as an apprentice because the apprentice which we totally glossed over there um we changed the wiring scheme from its classic so now it is uh in the same industrial connectors or similar connectors to the pro wiring so the apprentice wiring has just two cables going out Yes. Um, from the box. So we've con- combined the signal connect- the signal cable and the motor and brake cables. And um, right. Uh, which is a departure from the classic. Yes. Wiring. Yeah. Yeah. So this um, is now in line with the pro wiring. Like you were saying, it's the signal wiring is identical. So if you have pro signal cables in your arsenal, you can also now use those same cables to connect uh, apprentices. So it, it's nice to kind of standardize on that one system. And that's that one we system. Talk, we talked about that for quite a while. <laughs> I'm like, oh, do we want to do that? Is that what we want to do? Do we really want more different cable in the shop? Right. Exactly. And Cause uh, there was some hemming and hawing over this because the, mm-hmm. the, you know, obviously the, the, we love the new Harding style kit connectors and the new signal cable is great. However, it is a departure from the classic wiring scheme, which you could kind of, you could order up all the parts out of McMaster and put the cables together easily yourself. You can still put these cables together easily yourself, but they, uh, but they require some tools. Like you gotta get a special crimper and, and it's just, you know, it, it's a little more specialized than the classic stuff used to be. Yeah. But in the end, we felt like that the advantages kind of outweigh the disadvantages. Like you can still totally build these cables yourself and we publish all the schematics and we publish the parts that we use and all those things. So we, we are not moving away from that. Um, it's just that you will have to, you know, you'll have to get familiar with a crimper. It does, however, eliminate any soldering, which was one of the key factors in moving towards this, is that the encoder cables no longer require any soldering. So while you have to spend like 70 bucks on a crimper, you at least get away from soldering anything. And so the folks that have been building their own cables, that has at times been a sticky point of getting those encoder cables soldered. And this is a more reliable, surefire way to actually build your cabling and have it come out right. And then it's just so much cleaner because all of the wiring, you know. Yeah, you're just running two wires, just, just two running. cables, you know, as opposed to, what was it, seven? <laughs> Classic. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Oh my God. This is a disaster. <laughs> it's, ah! it's an octopus. Yeah. And then yeah. on the uh, also on The Apprentice, if folks should definitely check out the pictures on the website because we're skipping over details that you'll want to know about. But the one of the nice details is that, like the pros, all the ca- wiring comes off the back. So it's only one side now has cables as opposed to the apprentice has i'm sorry the classic had cables coming off both faces the apprentice all off the back and the apprentice can be it's built to be either standalone with little rubber feet and handles on the top or very cute handles with orange polka dots (laughs) or 
you can put ra it comes with rack ears and you can rack it and unlike the pros where you have to tip the rack on its side this goes into a normal everyday touring rack so you can like buy a rack from amazon and rack up a bunch of uh stagehand apprentices just yeah. normal normal like um and it fits into a 5u slot so um yeah anyway we, i got off back off on a thing oh oh no 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 i know what i was gonna say <laughs> ha, i remembered it has limit override buttons boop, boop. yes which is awesome <laughs> yes because the one thing we identified that we couldn't get away from is like the thing that's awesome one of the awesome parts of the classic is that you can like just unplug a limit switch and shove a jumper in there if you need to get off of a limit switch or when you're setting up right and we're like yeah but if we just put limit override buttons right next to the jog buttons yeah. boop, you can yep they're momentary yeah. switches so you can't latch them you know um so you know for safety's sake right you can't defeat the limits in like for an indeterminate amount of time you have to hold them down but i think that really it it, it addresses a large percentage of the use case where you wanted to use limit jumpers in the past. And then conversely, if you are building a machine, like we build revolvers that typically don't use limit switches at all, then we just, in the J box of the machine, we jump the limits out. So when you plug in the machine that shouldn't need limits, it, it disables the limits yep. for you. So I think it's just, just very cool. Yeah, it's cleaner. So, yeah. so you, you were saying we can do apprentice wiring, we can do classic wiring, and, and lastly, we can do pro wiring. Yes. Um, which which changes. So, if you guys, you know, anybody who happens to look and be critical about the extra space at the end of the motor, uh, in the in the current design, that is not extra space. It is there because that's where the second encoder goes to make it work for the pro. For the pro, yes, exactly. Yeah. Trust us, there is no extra space. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and the the pro the pro though costs a little bit more because Does. of that secondary encoder. Right, right, right. The um, pro goes back up to the up to to twenty thousand dollars, which is yeah. cheaper, still cheaper than the old revolver pro, but more expensive than the pl classic or apprentice revolver. Um, so it's pretty cool that you know you can you can buy these and you know they were offer that they're offered in in all flavors of cable connections that we've got out there. Uh, yep. Yep, take your pick, right? Whatever you're, whatever you're doing. And then if you've got the other thing to mention is that you know, and it, this came up, somebody, it was either a tech support thing or a phone phone call or something. Uh, somebody had asked like, hey, if I've got old classics and I want to run new machines, right? Do I have to buy pros? And the answer is for Spotlines, yes, because Spotlines have a bunch of safety considerations that need the pros. But okay. if you just want to run some push sticks, right, some good old-fashioned lateral moves that don't have extra safety features, um, you can totally run those on Classics. We sell them with the J-boxes for um, pro connectors, but we also sell uh, break-in adapters that will let you run that on classic stuff so similarly you know if you wanted to it, you could also kind of future proof yourself by buying an apprentice style revolver now um and you could just get an adapter to plug it into a classic with the assumption that you might want to buy some apprentices in the future if you like that yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. well and so then so i think i think we've beaten that one down yes um but now, now the uh, you know the big news. Big news. Was the uh, was the floor pocket. Floor pocket. Yes. Yeah. The floor pocket is huge. 
It is literally, literally, literally and figuratively. <laughs> That's right. The floor yeah. pocket is our new uh, modular stage elevator. And it is something that we have been quietly working on in earnest uh, for several months. Um, and it's yeah, an but, idea but that only several months. I yeah. went back and looked back at, at like the beginning, like the first, you know, when our first like in earnest emails and and the base discussions. Camp was set up. And, and I was yeah. like, oh, my God, that was like the second week of August. Like, <laughs> how did we do that? Like We shipped one of these things to LDI. <laughs> and we had only just like we we're like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. We should do this. Yeah. Whoa. Well, to, to be fair, <clears throat> we started, you know, we started doing like kind of preliminary re design research in June. And then <laughs> this is an idea yeah. that we've been like chewing on for years. But the. <laughs> Uh, but you're right. It went very quickly once we kind of once we had it all our all of our ideas lined up. The execution went really quick, quite fast. Um, but the the concept was we wanted to build a self climbing elevator um, that you know it would be a platform that had all of the mechanics built into it, and then we'd assemble like a tower structure that it could climb up. And so there's actually one single tower, and everything cantilevers off that tower. And the platform is relatively yeah, oh, and that we wanted it to be fit. The the platform in its raised position should fit within a four foot square deck. Um, was one of the design decisions, and it and we went through like a many of these kind of preliminary talks early on, right, Mike? I remember specifically a we spent a couple of hours at a pizza joint with me, <laughs> you, Brian, and Ed. Uh, hashing through kind of like what should this thing be capable of doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think I was like, this has to go. We have to. There's no way that this can be any slower than two feet a second. No way. <laughs> we can't have this. And then you know what? You know what we ended up with was 18 inches a second, and that is brisk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because it sounds slow when you say it, especially like comparing it to ho like our hoisting yeah. applications and deck winches and stuff. And then you stand on it and you're like, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's good. Ah, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's still, you know, at 18 inches a second, it is substantially faster than most scissor lifts. You know, not not all, obviously. There are certainly some <clears throat> pretty high flow scissor lifts out there. Yeah, but it's significantly quieter than a yeah. high flow scissor lift <laughs> right <laughs> yes and your your typical scissor lift like the ones we put out on tour with m and rihanna those were like nine inches a second you know yeah. and so this is like twice as fast as that you know and yeah. so the cool thing about it being a self-climbing platform is that the extension height is somewhat unlimited Right, that you get into problems of you know you, the column can only be so high and then it has to be supported every so often to keep it you know from crumpling, um, but but you know assuming you can support it, you're not limited. You know with scissor lifts again you get stuck in these like well how, what's the throw on that scissor lift? Well it's a six footer. Oh that's an eight footer and that's a you know and like well I got eleven feet I gotta go right. And this as long as you just build the tower to be eleven feet. It can climb 11 feet. Yeah. You want to build it to 16 feet. It can climb 16 feet. It, you know, the you want to build it to nine feet. You want to build it to eight feet. You want to, you know, it's all, it's all modular. Um, and to achieve that modularity, we actually built the um, superstructure spine out of mod truss. Yeah, because that stuff's great. 
it's really cool. Yeah. It is really cool. And, you know, and all of it is engineered. Right. Every bit of it. Yes. So, you know, there's no, like, you're not thinking about welding a piece. You're not thinking about anything. You can just make bolt connections. Yeah. And all the information is there. Right. <laughs> and that was great because we worked with McLaren on engineering the lift itself. Um, and they actually do, uh, as I understand it, they do the engineering work on the mod trust too. Um, so they were very happy <laughs> to see that we were choosing to use mod trust. Um, right. They pre-engineered. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we didn't, so all of the engineering effort with McLaren and, uh, specifications were all on the, on the mechanical side, you know, uh, mechanics side rather than on the static structure side. Um, yeah. so and for the it's a rack and pinion uh is the mechanism for raising and lowering so we have a a john doe pinion that engages a rack and the rack is bolted to the mod truss and then for um linear guidance uh we use heavy rail from pacific bearing uh which is it looks an awful lot like the uh channels on the the mast of a forklift um, yes, <laughs> it is stout. It is in fact quite heavy. As yeah, its yeah. Name might suggest. Lives up to its name. <laughs> yes, it is. And we put two pieces of it in there. <laughs> right, right. So there's two rails and then uh, four bearings that uh, <clears throat> live in that heavy rail and ride up and down. Um, so the whole thing is not particularly particularly light, but it's also not if you're used to like big lifts, it's not insanely heavy either. I think the uh, the base unit, which is uh, four foot by five foot in plan view and then six foot tall, uh, is like thirteen hundred pounds. Yeah. And then uh, the one we shipped to LDI, we built, put a six foot extension on the column so we could get a twelve foot elevator. Um, and that extension is like three hundred something pounds, three twenty five or something, three fifteen. Yeah, it gets it up into like sixteen fifty, sixteen seventy five or something like that as the total weight. Right. Which is, um, you know, you're not going to four bang it off the truck, but it's, <laughs> uh, but it's also not insane. Like if you've, if you've ever had to move big elevators around, uh, big hydraulic lifts around, it's, uh, you, you realize it's, that's right in there. That's actually, actually somewhat lighter than, uh, what you might expect, uh, depending yeah. on what you're used to. Um, I mean, and it's cool that it's all in there. Yeah. It's not, there's not extra stuff. It's not a cable lift that has, you know, the four posts and mule blocks and right. cable going everywhere. And a may line and yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, and uh and it incorporates the our safety interlock box, which is pretty cool. So we've got bumper strip, tape switch bumper strip around the bottom of the platform and uh a mat underneath, um, which disables any travel if somebody's on it or if a prop's on it or whatever is it's you know in it's coming down um and then there's also a halo switch to go around the opening up the top yeah yeah yep yep um to protect anybody from the top right because those are the big concerns right there's there are some pinch points coming down so we got to protect against that with the crush switch that lives on the on the platform so if the platform is coming down and, and you're um you know got a shoulder that's protruding into the column 
uh, of air that is going to be displaced by the, the platform, it will detect that and, and shut off. Um, or if you're actually standing underneath the lift, like you said, we have that pressure mat there. So if you're standing underneath the lift looking up, the lift will not come down. And then lastly, of course, like you said, the trap opening is the... So having all three of those systems in there and then tied in and integrated out of the box, I think is, is huge because we see a lot of elevators in our day-to-day experience. Um, and, you know, people try to do a very good job. And a lot of times they, they do a, a, a very competent job of, uh, of building elevators. But so often what gets left out in the hustle and bustle of production is that final polishing of like, let's make sure all the safety systems are here, right? And, you know, if you get a lift installed in your theater, that's one thing. But so often what's happening is that you've got to like create an elevator for a show, a production lift. And and the timing is very, very tight. Um, And to produce all that machinery and do the uh, safety systems is... You know, I mean, experience tells us it's almost impossible um, or down, darn near it. Right. Because uh, we see a lot of elevators where there's no there is no safety bumper installed or also the, you know, sometimes we hear like, well, we were going to do that, but it it's really expensive. And um, I'm not going to say that our elevator is inexpensive, but it is um, it, it's reasonable for what it is. And you can't save any money by cutting out the safety systems because we won't sell it without the safety systems. So. Um, and then I think from a you know production manager point of view, although you could speak better to this than me, it seems like it would be nice to, to just know that it's done. It's a chunk, and it's it's been thought out and taken care of. I mean, uh, the, certainly incorporating all the safety elements into it, into the final piece, into what is there, uh, is is a would be a huge weight off of the shoulders of anybody, you know, whether it's the production manager or the TD or even the artistic staff, you know, just to know that. What this is, is it is a package and it's done and it works. Right. And, you know, those things are there to protect everybody Um, because, you know, whether it's the performers or the technicians, uh, you know, it's important that that protection is there. Yeah. And in that vein, you know, if you've got an elevator, we would also be happy to to sell you the interlock box that we made so that you can add that into your existing elevator. Absolutely. Um, yep. Because that is thought through and, and done. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, which on a slight side note there, uh, the, oh, uh, one thing before we move to what I was about to say, it, the floor pocket and the weight and the, and the assembly of it, um, it has casters like screw down jack casters, uh, that you can use to, to move the lift around. So if you get this thing down in your trap room, um, Number one, it's only six foot tall, and it's when it's disassembled, when the extension mast is taken off. So you can roll it through a door, and it's on casters, so you can position it and then lower it off of its casters onto its leveling feet. Yeah. Its leveling feet are pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> pretty slick looking setup. And then we installed the thing at LDI with um, just one chain motor pick above to be able to pick that extension tower and put it on top. And actually. In our situation at LDI, we had to be able to pick that tower, put it on, and then roll the whole lift over to where it was going to be set up for the show. Right. And we did it. <laughs> yeah, and we did it. We did With it. only so, four of us. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, there were two There were two additional riggers, but the moving of it, the pushing it around, was only four of us over, you know, some padded carpet. Over padded carpet, yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. So just like, which would not be my ideal recommendation. If you can avoid padded carpet for rolling that thing around, do. But we, <laughs> but we did it with just four guys, which was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, it was great. And you know, and it worked, which was even better. There you go. There you go. Um, and I was going to mention that as you you mentioned the you know we'll we'll sell you the safety interlock box, um, which is actually a product we've had for years, which is which is good to know about. Um, and in an effort to help you know about things, uh, one other thing that we brought out at the LDI was our fancy new catalog. That Fancy new catalog. Yeah, which is really fun because we've never had a complete catalog before. We've only ever had cut sheets um, in the past, and having a full-blown catalog uh, was pretty nice. Yeah, it really looked beautiful. I mean, it looks beautiful. It didn't look beautiful. It looks beautiful. And, you know, I mean, Pete did a, a bang-up job heading that up and getting that, you know, getting it, pushing it through. Yeah. With a, you know, I mean, you know. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I think we all, we all certainly put in time to get pieces done. and Sure. Yep. Know, <laughs> some of your some of your the graphic needs to look like this as there's you know a cell phone picture of your <laughs> graph pad sketch of right and then and then just magically like the next morning we had a graphic was, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. graphic gnomes <clears throat> magic too yep um, so yeah but the catalog was beautiful yeah um, and and certainly was showcasing and and kind of uh kind of uh like eye-opening you know i mean i don't know eye-opening for me in a little bit as i started seeing it all come together and realized that there was like what was it like 50 something pages <laughs> right right oh my god i know that we sell a lot of stuff and we have a lot of stuff in stock but this is a lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and i think that's one of the things that could be really useful for folks out there who are somewhat familiar with our gear but not exactly sure of all the things we sell the safety interlock box being one of those things where it it, it's very easy to miss on the website, but really easy to see in the catalog. Yeah. And um and and nicely broken down um uh, into its section in the safety uh in the safety section of the catalog. So yeah. um so anyway, if you are if you'd like to see if you missed the LDI and didn't get a catalog there, uh definitely let us know and we can uh try to wrangle it, a catalog for you. And otherwise we'll have Boku of them out at USITT come the spring as well. So they're they're a nice piece of uh, nice piece of information. And it's not it's a lot of sales e stuff. Obviously, they're going over our products, um, which I think is very useful. Um, but then we also have some great testimonials in there, and we also have some technical data in there that uh, I think will be useful to people. So it's good stuff. Yeah, and you know, on the lift end of things and the safety interlock, there's also we also have the proportional valve control box, which mates with the mini. Yes. Uh, to you know, if you are out there and have a have an existing hydraulic lift that you want to control with a proportional valve, um, it um, we have a we have a we have a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We have a we have a product that's uh, that's kind of made you know to 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 make it work and to do it. Yeah. Um. And you know, I knew about it. I mean, we made a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um. But you know, but then remembering it as I was looking at the catalogs, like, oh yeah, this yeah. is some. You know, 
I don't know. It kind of goes. I like the. I like that we have. You know, we have a whole system now with the. You know, for an existing lift, if you've got your your hydraulics and right. not wanting to replace that. Right. You know, there's there's a whole way to integrate to integrate it into Spike Mark and to integrate safety and yep. <clears throat> all of the important components. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's a really good point. If there's a reason that you don't want to buy a floor pocket. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, which, you know, shame on you, buy a floor pocket. But um... <laughs> I don't know that we actually said, you know, speaking of the floor pocket, I don't think we actually said how much it can lift at 18 inches a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A thousand it pounds. A thousand pounds at 18 inches a second. Yeah. Holy cow. And it runs <laughs> off of a Stagehand Pro, right? Same, same pro. Yeah. Same, same components, you know, and love, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're very excited about it. It's really, it was really thrilling to see it all come together. And if you've missed it in the past, you, you can definitely check out, um, obviously the, the web page for it, but then you can also see some of the Instagram shots and some of the Facebook posts about it uh, that show some of the history of us working on it and the bits and pieces starting to come together. So it's pretty cool. cool. Stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's it, right, Mike? Just that. I, even if it's not, I think we've done enough today. <laughs> yes, I think so. I think so. <laughs> and it won't be every episode where we get to talk about uh, four new big products. So um, there you go. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, so thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the show, please rate it on iTunes and tell your friends. It's the best way for people to find the show. If you have things you'd like us to talk about, uh, send an email to podcast at creativeconnors.com. And we will see you next time.